Hello, and welcome to We Speak CVE, a free podcast from the CVE program. On this podcast, we'll talk with people from the cybersecurity community about what else? Cybersecurity and vulnerability management and the CVE catalog of vulnerabilities. If you didn't know, the CVE program's mission is to identify, define, and catalog publicly disclosed cybersecurity vulnerabilities. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the CVE podcast. I'm Shannon Sabins, and I'm uh, your host today. And I have a special guest with me, Milland from NVIDIA. Milland, will you introduce yourself, please? Yeah. Hi. Uh, thanks, uh, Shannon, for inviting me today. So my name is uh, Milind Kulkarni. I work in the research team at NVIDIA. Uh, I've been with NVIDIA for since 2018, and I worked in uh, different companies before that at Dell, um, at HP, and Symantec. So pretty much uh, we have a research team at NVIDIA, and we work with external researchers for uh, managing vulnerabilities and uh, working closely with finders and getting their reports and um, get, uh, the whole idea is to make sure that our products are more secured and closely working with researchers. So uh, we have a, a small team that works with uh, researchers and we have an established research process in our company. So I invited Milland today. Thank you, Milland. I invited Milland today because I'm interested in the topic of assisting security researchers with good guidance about reporting to PCERTs and you know, how to uh, have a good collaboration with PCERTs. Milland and I've known each other for several years. I think Milland um, is a wonderful PCERT leader. So I've invited him and uh, today our podcast is really targeted uh, at researchers and um, what to expect when you're reporting a vulnerability to um, to a vendor, and you know how to interpret uh, the responses that you see, and how to get the best result from your report. So um, I guess we should start with um, pre-disclosure and how to make contact with a vendor. So using Nvidia as the example. Uh, Milan, do you want to start and talk a little bit about how researchers new to the vulnerability reporting space can get in touch with you sure. and or so, other research like you? Yeah, sure. So uh, researchers, uh, there are a lot of researchers. There are a different type of researchers. There are academic researchers. Then there are researchers who do this for hobby. And there are also professional researchers. Uh, so uh, they do a lot of uh, hard work and uh, we really appreciate their work. Um, and the whole thing is like if they find some issues in any products, in NVIDIA products or any other vendor products, we encourage them to contact the vendors first. Uh, so that the whole idea is like when they find this issue, they can work with the vendor, they can uh, uh, submit their findings. Uh, with their proof of concepts or their research, whatever it is. And then we can work with them to uh, have a fix ready for our customers. And then we can disclose this in a coordinated fashion. Uh, so there are different ways that researchers can contact the vendors. Usually vendors who have a, um, a good footprint of customers, usually they would have a, like a product security page uh, somewhere on their website. So you can Google and find it. 
and it will have a listing on how to contact them. It may be a, their security email address um, or maybe some usually also like smaller companies, they go through their technical support teams as well. So they have a contact on how researchers or finders can reach out to their product security teams. So that is one way. Then another way is also uh, you can look at MITRE's uh, cve.org website where uh, participating CNAs, uh, like CV numbering authorities, which are companies that are in those program, they have a list of directory and they have a list of contacts as well. So that is also maintained by the CVE program. So you can see the list of all the companies and their contacts and their security pages. And it is also well maintained by the CVE program team. Uh, so those are two things uh, I would recommend. Um, also, uh, if you cannot find the contact of a particular vendor or a company, then another approach uh, would be to contact your cert. Um, and Shannon, maybe you have more experience to that. Maybe you can talk about that, how it can be done. But these are the two avenues, I would think, um, going through the company's website, find a security contact, or going through the MITRE CV or page, cv.org page, and find uh, the partners and their listing. So Shannon, do you want to uh, talk about the CERT and how they can be contacted or how uh, the, the researchers can reach out to the CERT? Yeah, I, I will add to that just, you know, when I've had any difficulty reaching a vendor and even, you know, I've tried Secure Ad or Security Ad or, um, you know, these options to, to find a PCERT team for, for those PCERT you know, did not, where, where the details were not readily apparent. But also I've had good success going when I knew the vendor was in a particular country, uh, going to a country cert and asking the country cert to help me make contact with the vendor. They've been tremendously uh, useful. They've been a wonderful resource. And I don't, I don't know that everybody always thinks of the country certs right away. Um, but uh, in my experience, country certs are really, um, really friendly toward researchers and can be a wonderful bridge between security research uh, and a vendor, um, you know, both uh, kind of smoothing uh, communications and also where there may be uh, language barriers. That's been very helpful as well. So uh, country cert contact, if you've exhausted other uh, avenues, very helpful. So, um, use, uh, yeah, so uh, just to add to that point, so once uh, the contact is made, uh, usually we respond within like one business day just to acknowledge the report so that researchers know that, oh, yes, uh, they received the report and they are investigating and they probably will get a case number uh, for their report finding. So that is like a two-way communication that happens, uh, if, at least at the NVIDIA side. Uh, so, uh, so the researchers get a sense that oh, their report has correctly been sent uh, to the uh, to the email address that is on the website, and uh, they they are assured that their report uh, is being looked by the vendor. And if the vendor doesn't offer you a case number, ask for it. Sometimes they don't always offer it; they think of it as you know an internal tool. But but ask for a case number, ask for a tracking number, just um, for your follow up correspondence. I think that's helpful. Let's talk about what to include in a report. Sometimes I uh, have seen reports from researchers 
that may be very detailed in, in some aspects, but are um, some highly technical aspects, but maybe missing some basic aspects like um, what version of the product or what OS version did you test on? Uh, Millen, do you have expect, do you have um, good guidance about for researchers about what to include in their report for uh, optimal and timely response? Uh, yes, so I think this is a very uh, important point because uh, when the researchers find something, they have very good information which can be very easy or it can be very uh, complicated, like there are different things that you have to do to reproduce the issue. So as a vendor, um, we have an established process where we get all this information. Uh, where it is good to have quality report so that at one go we can have all the information and it will help us to reproduce the issue and the turnaround time is less to review the report and create a fix and uh, uh, roll out the fix to customers and disclose a CVE. So usually in our case what we have done is we have designed a form like a web form on our website if you go to nvidia.com security um, and there is a report vulnerability section. So there is a form that we have designed specifically for researchers and finders. And it will ask you for some basic information like your contact, email address, uh, then uh, what is the product that you're reporting because a lot of big companies have hundreds of products. So we exactly want to know which product you have reproduced the issue or which findings are these uh, belong to which product. Um, and we also pro give a list of all the products in the form. So you can easily go and select the product name. Um, then we also ask for a version number, like Shannon uh, mentioned, version is also really important because at a time we support like five or six different versions of the same product. So we exactly want to know which version you were or the researchers were using um, uh, to reproduce the issue. So we can exactly go to that version of the source code and see where the problem is. Operating system is also important, like Windows or Linux or which operating system uh, was used to find the vulnerability or the issue. Then we also, you, uh, on the form, we also ask for like a high level summary of the issue and the steps to reproduce. Uh, that is really important so our team uh, can go through those steps and exactly reproduce the issue that the finders or the researchers have seen in their environment because each environment can be different. So the steps, if we get the steps, then that is really helpful. Then also we would like to know, uh, like, is there any plans for disclosures? Um, like uh, if this, has, this is going to be disclosed or presented at a conference, or you're going to publish a paper for this. Uh, so just to get an idea, like what is the timeframe uh, that is available to fix the issue? Um, for our information and then also we uh, like our researchers to uh, if they want to get acknowledged like uh, we usually give uh, mention their name in our security advisories on our web page as well next uh, we have an acknowledgement page on our uh, security uh, website as well so we mention the name of the researchers who help uh, to find these issues and work with us so uh, we also get their names if they want uh, their name to be included in the, our security advisories when we publish a fix. And then uh, there is also a way where you can upload screenshots or uh, files, supporting files like proof of concepts. Uh, you can attach those artifacts to the form and uh, submit the form to us. So we can get all this information through a web form. 
there is also another way uh, if you are comfortable with the email you can also send a email uh, with our email contact that is also on our website and you can use a pgp key for encryption if you want a secured communication um, so those are two um, ways that we have uh, provided our with for our users and researchers uh, so they they can uh, share these findings with us i'm really glad you you brought it up about um, what if you want to present your findings later you know you have a conference that you uh, want to speak at I think that is something that's valuable for researchers and I think it can be something that's valuable for vendors but I'm glad you brought it up because I want to make sure uh, that both parties have level set expectations of the process um, of course, you know, it's not possible uh, in most cases to fix a vulnerability overnight. And, you know, and you don't want to be putting so tight a um, putting so tight a deadline on the, on the vendor that they don't have time to investigate and vet. And you don't necessarily want to hijack their uh, build ske- schedule. They have other important uh, not that the vulnerability is not important, but other also important issues that they're working on for their customers. But making sure that you have level set expectations about what the time frame is for a fix. And so if you're going to present, telling the vendor when you want to present will give them a better sense of, hey, you know, we've got to we've got to try to fit this, you know, into our schedule in this you know, in this time frame, and can we reasonably do it? Uh, pressure for pressure's sake, I think it doesn't help the situation. But when when they understand, hey, you know, I have a conference, I want to go to this conference, and I want to talk about this vulnerability, I want to be able to talk about my research at that conference, I think that's a, a meaningful data point for a vendor to have. And, and at all times, you know, these communications can just kind of smooth the gears between you as a researcher and and the vendor. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else I wanted to talk about. Sometimes I see a little bit of confusion about when do you get a CVE or or really even sort of what is the CVE. Of course, the CVE is not for the patch. The CVE is for the vulnerability, but we often don't see a CVE until patch time, because that's the time, you know, that we uh, document and that we put out the advisories. So, Milan, when you have conversations with researchers and you're setting their expectations about when they might see a CVE uh, for a vetted uh, vulnerability report that they've provided to NVIDIA, tell me a little bit about what that looks like for you. Yeah, sure. Um, so we follow the CV.org, uh, like we are, uh, uh, NVIDIA is a CNA, like CV numbering authority, and we align with the uh, MITRE CV program uh, that is uh, 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 that uh, is already p- uh, published. Um, so what that means is like any security vulnerability that we find either internally or externally, uh, we disclose and we assign a CV ID for it. And how that works is once we get a research uh, like a uh, like a report from external researchers, we first of course we validate it to make sure we understand the impact and what is the uh, what exactly the security issue, which products are impacted, which versions are impacted, 
and what is the fix needed to patch that uh, security vulnerability so usually we assign a cv in a process we have a automation that is in our process and once the fix is ready uh, we start the security advisory and we automatically pull in the cv id number from the cv services and we assign it um, uh, uh, to the issue and then we publish it when we actually have a fix so that is how it works which is part of like a coordinated disclosure which is the industry practices that all companies follow that we get a fix uh, we assign a cv id we disclose the issue as well as the fix and the cv id is assigned to the uh, actual vulnerability like shannon mentioned uh, before and uh, that is how we follow the process so it's uh, it's automated but usually we try to assign at the very end so that we disclose the fix as well as the issue at the same time and the cv then is published to miter and it then gets goes to the nvd uh, database so uh, we assign cv id specifically for issues that are into the nvd proprietary code like if we fix something in our code then we assign a cv id also for open source if we are the primary maintainers of that code then we assign a cv id and we publish a security advisory in the github page as well but assign a cv id uh, so that it it gets also reported to miter and uh, nvd uh, and also then it can be pulled by the scanning companies or the scanners and then uh, customers can easily see which products are impacted and they can they can apply the patches so that is the general process that we follow cv id assigning cv id is definitely one of the important process in this vulnerability management and disclosure steps that we follow at nvidia you said two things that i want to touch on there one is that you off, that you tend not to assign a cve until you know later in the process uh, nearing the end i have found that to be uh, common and i find that to be a reasonable expectation uh, for researchers to have uh, because i have found that to be common but you touched on something else that i that i want to um a thread that i want to pull which is you're talking a little bit about your scope what um code is in nvidia's cna scope to apply cves for and every cna uh, has a scope a stated scope that they're going to they're going to um apply cbes for uh, vetted vulnerabilities found in you know what have you only their products or their products plus these open source and then some have uh, some exclusions uh, maybe it's end of life product maybe it's uh, you know some other thing or extended support is sometimes an exclusion so do you want should we dig in a little bit to end of life uh, products and you know it's not impossible i guess to obtain a cbe for an end of life product but it is excluded by some cnas and milan you and i've talked about this in the past for some uh, vendors it's not feasible for um, to go back to code that it you know you no longer have engineers who are familiar with the code what have you it's just not cost effective to be able to do it now that doesn't mean 
that a researcher couldn't get a CBE uh, from the root um, or, you know, the uh, CNA, pardon, the CNA of last resort. Uh, but that is a common exclusion. Millen, do you want to do you want to touch on that or, you know, do you want to talk a little bit about NVIDIA's scope? Yeah, so usually uh, you're right. So this comes all the time, you know, sometimes we have so many products which have been end of life and uh, they are still in the field, right? So customers are still using it, but they are end of life, a lot of consumer level products. So we uh, usually try to assign CV IDs or work on issues for products which are in the field and are supported. So uh, we have a list of products which are end of life. We have clearly posted on our some of our main popular products that which are end of life. So those we don't fix. But what we do is we look at those reports and if we think that these are also applicable to the your products, then definitely we will take a review of it and we will try to fix those issues as well for the newer versions uh, or the products that are still supported. Uh, but at this point, it is important for the researchers to understand that if the product is end of life, then it is not easy uh, for the vendors to usually go back because the code is not supported. There are engineers uh, not available to work on that code. So the CV uh, assignment doesn't really make sense because there won't be any patch anywhere available. So um, it is more appropriate to look at the products which are still in support or which are actively supported by the vendor and then um, work on those uh, security findings. Uh, I think that would be my suggestion. Um, but anyway, uh, even if you have found any uh, issues in the older products, that is also good to report to the company. So the vendor, so they can verify and they give you, can give you the proper advice on the next steps. Uh, right. But in our case, we assign CVIDs for supported products and once the issue is confirmed. I think that's common, uh, but I agree with you, even you know, if you find something in an end of life product, still uh, report it. The company may be able to vet you know, uh, later products, what have you. So it's still worth reporting but do have your expectations set, you know, when it's end of life, uh, that it may not be something that the company can easily, can easily address, or, or they may not be a, they may not be able, or they may not be willing to address it. That said, I also find extended life to be a term that is confusing to some researchers. Extended support often involves custom support contracts. Uh, it does not always mean that all security uh, patches will be applied depending on what those custom contracts will look like. So don't assume that extended life means that it's still serviceable, uh, will get all the security patches. That's not always true in my, um, in my experience. But again, uh, still, you know, if you see a vulnerability, report the vulnerability. So of course, at the CVE program, we are here to aid security, um, the whole community, uh, the CNAs and researchers, and um, get everybody you know, working well together. And so we hope that this content is helpful to uh, level set expectations and to help get 
researchers and CNAs and even non-CNA vendors communicating well together about vulnerability uh, research. We hope that this content is helpful. We hope to get people uh, communicating well and working well together. Let us know how we can help you. Let us know if this podcast was helpful to you. And please know, um, Mill, and how much I appreciate you coming and talking to us. I know you have really vast experience, and I, I personally think you are a wonderful PCER leader. And so I'm so glad that you came to talk to us today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Shannon. It's always great uh, working with you and coordinating with you in the groups. Uh, I want to add one more point, uh, which I missed before. The uh, the uh, the topics that researchers submit right for their conference, we usually also uh, encourage that they provide their findings or their papers to us, so we can review them and we can provide them suggestions uh, from a product perspective or architecture perspective so that they can make accurate uh, statements in their presentation. So that is something we definitely like to give feedback to the finders as well, which can also improve and make their presentations more accurate when they are presenting at some academic conferences or any professional conferences. So that is also great. And we, we really encourage uh, uh, the researchers to work closely with the vendors and uh, uh, have their security uh, issues report to us and we can fix them uh, and make the products more secure for the community. Yeah, I think a lot of researchers don't know, you know, hey, I can give my my I can give my presentation to the vendor and and they're going to give me really meaningful feedback about that. I have found that to be very helpful. I have found that to be meaningful. Um, and I hope people take advantage of that. I think that's great. And it's, it's, I think, very kind when a vendor offers to do that. It's not only in the vendor's interest, but I've seen them give really uh, great feedback to, to researchers, which has made their presentation better, too. So I think that's terrific. Thank you. Thank you so much, Shannon. Please join us again for another episode of the CVE podcast. Uh, we'll be back in coming weeks with new topics for CNAs, uh, for researchers, and for consumers of CVE. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on the We Speak CVE podcast, which is available for free on Buzzsprout and the CVE website. If you'd like to participate or suggest a topic, please contact us on the CVE website.